Hey guys, so I have the results for the slasher draft from a few episodes ago with the three wise men media. And you know what? Let's just, uh, let's, I'll just tell you in fourth place came Elk. And if you need a reminder, Elk's team was Leatherface, Art the Clown, Candyman, Norman Bates, and the Fisherman. That was fourth place. In third place came Dylan. So his team was Jason Voorhees, Dr. Hannibal Lecter, Chucky, the Firefly family, and the Collector. In second place, that was that ended up being me, your humble host, Austin. My team was Mikey Mai Mai, Ghostface, Pearl, Victor Crowley, and Patrick Bateman. And the winner of the Slasher Draft is Kyle. Kyle's team is Freddy Krueger, The Predator, Jigsaw, Pinhead, and Mrs. Voorhees. I gotta say, I was a little concerned with Kyle's list because that one has a is a list that has the most like slasher adjacent. Like, are they, aren't they a slasher when I made up the draft board? But you know what? You guys didn't care because Kyle won anyways. So congratulations, Kyle. If you guys like that episode, please let me know, and maybe I can do more like it in the future. Now, it's time to talk about some hidden slasher gems. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. If you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Woody Die Podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. The air is cooler, the leaves are falling, it is finally October. And like last year, this month is dedicated to slashers. That's right, I'm coming at you with the second annual Slashtober. Last year, we dedicated the month to the boogeyman, the face of Halloween, the OG slasher himself, Michael Myers. And this year, we're talking about literally everyone else. I'm sorry, Mikey Mai Mai, but you got a whole month to yourself last year. You're, no more spotlight on you this year. On this episode of Slashtober, we are shining a light on some hidden gems of the slasher genre. Some diamonds of, of the rough, diamonds in the rough, if you will. And today, I am joined by an accomplished author, journalist, and film critic. Her work can be found on Nightmarish Conjurings and Dread Central. Honestly, she's done so much incredible work, it's hard to cover it all. But please welcome my friend, Chloe Harper-Gold. Hi, thank you so much for that wonderful intro. I worked really hard on it. I was going on your link tree and I'm like, there's so much stuff. There's no way I can cover it all. <laughs> I appreciate it. I actually have to update that. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> so there's even more stuff that I haven't <laughs> even mentioned. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad we're online friends. I'm glad you said yes, you would be on this show because we have a really fun episode lined up. We're going to talk so many, so many slasher movies that have not been mentioned on this show before. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. But before we shine a light on these hidden gems, I got to ask, when did you first become like a horror fan? I think it's always been in me. I legitimately can't remember a time in my life when I was not attracted and drawn to the darker 
darker, creepier side of things. And I I can't pinpoint any event or any uh, dream or anything that drew me to horror. I think it was always in me from the start. Did you have any favorite monsters or slashers growing up? The first slasher that I ever saw was Nightmare on Elm Street and I loved it so much and it remains my comfort film to this day which is probably an odd thing to say but you know what here we are (laughs) (laughs) I love that when did you kind of realize that you wanted to work in horror I had an internship after I graduated from my undergraduate college and the internship was at a startup horror website called Horror Film Central and I applied to it on a whim they had an ad on Indeed and I thought you know what why not why not do this and they liked me enough to hire me and so I started writing horror news and scouring the web for what trailers just dropped what casting news was just announced I started reviewing films and I even uh, started interviewing filmmakers and through that internship I just really fell in love with the journalistic side of horror that's awesome did you have like a moment where you're where you're just like holy shit i love what I do yeah my first week at that internship actually Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was always a horror fan. I had always loved horror movies and novels. And I really wanted to write horror someday. But yeah, I think that the internship really just solidified it and really made it clear that this is a space that I could get into. And I would be in really good company because a a lot of really wonderful writers and filmmakers are in the horror space. And yeah, I think that the first week of the internship when I was just going on every news website that I could find just to write write articles and pitch articles, I'm rambling about that. I miss that internship, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's awesome though. So something about you, because I'm going to tell you something about you you don't already know clearly um uh um, you're an author as well yes can you talk about that a little bit because i think that's fascinating that's awesome thank you so for my fiction i have some short stories out my most recent short story was recently published in the first edition of ghoulish tales which is a new horror literary magazine and i am so grateful that i got to be part of that and there are a lot of amazing authors in that issue like clay mcleod chapman is in it and it's really funny because the first ever film that i reviewed is called the boy and it's based on a novel or a short story by clay mcleod chapman and when i saw that he was one of the authors who's going to be in this issue, I was just like, man, that is full circle. That is some karmic universe workings. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to pivot us a little bit into, I guess it's Slashtober. I'm making this month all about slashers. What about the slasher genre kind of fascinates you? So on the surface level, I think that the artistic side of it is incredibly interesting and just how how artists configure special effects and practical effects and even down to how they formulate the fake blood that they use because there's so many different 
recipes and concoctions and uses and applications for blood, which is so ubiquitous in the horror genre in general, and especially in slasher. So I find that just incredibly interesting to read up on and just, you know, look up. So the artistic side of it, but also I think that slasher is so interesting to think about and talk about because this is going to sound really bleak, but whatever. <laughs> I think that at our core, humans just really like violence and we really mm. like witnessing acts of carnage and no one really wants to talk about it, but I think that we should. I think that it's healthy to talk about it and better talk about it and make films about it than actually go out and kill people. So I think yeah. there's, a, there's a sociological element to slasher that's interesting and, of course, a psychological element. Well, I think I think history supports that, too, mm -hmm. because like you look at like all like medieval shit and there's jousting, yeah. you know, are like the gladiators. Policy. Yeah, it's entrenched in our global species structure. Well, I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of sports, too, like hockey is incredibly violent. Football, American football for all my British homies. <laughs> And uh, how could I, uh, I should have led with fucking MMA, like some of the most violent shit you see. Yeah, yeah. People pay to watch other people beat the shit out of each other. That's insane. Yeah. But it's so accepted because it's so, it's so ingrained in our culture. It's so ingrained in all of us. Yeah. And what we don't talk about is the fact that humans are animals. Animals yeah. are we're brutal. The animal kingdom. Right so unforgiving and we as humans have somehow developed more empathy than some other species and so we're more i guess have better impulse control this does sound bleak i love mankind i am a eh. supporter of my fellow <laughs> for the most part <laughs> <laughs> but not everyone is no. And that that's just a tr the truth, unfortunately. Boy, are we lighthearted on the <laughs> Would You Die podcast. <laughs> but no, I think that's so true. And um, it's definitely something interesting to think about. It's funny, as you were kind of talking about how we're really just animals, and you're right, it made me think, you probably know this fun fact tidbit already, but in case people listening don't, when Wes Craven was designing uh, Freddy Krueger, he wanted mm -hmm. a primal, he came up with the knife glove mm -hmm. as a way to create something primal, something that like, hum like something animal-like almost, because that's what, you know, would be in the dreams of like our ancestors being attacked by saber-toothed tigers and, and the like, our bears. That's what I love about the horror genre. We're so honest and upfront about the fact that we still have these atavistic fears and yeah. impulses and horror just brings that to the forefront in an artistic way, a thoughtful way, a nuanced way. It's honest. It's a it's a genre of honesty. And I it think is, that- yeah. You know, I think that's one of the elements that draws so many people to it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think particularly with slashers, I think slashers are brutally honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's just a rawness to slashers that you don't find in the other genres. Okay, so I'm going to tangent a little bit. One of the famous <laughs> Woody Die tangents. I love talking about genres and especially distinctions between subgenres because mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating. Horror is 
really interesting because it feels like a genre that should be easily defined, but it's not. It's actually one of the hardest genres to define. And that's why people get on like arguments all the time on Twitter being like, The Silence of the Lambs isn't a horror movie. And yeah, it is, you know, stuff like that. And by the way, it is like, I'm sorry if you have a main character eating people and he takes a dude's face off and wears that dude's face to get out of prison that's a fucking horror movie anyways i i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but like i do understand why those arguments happen because everyone has a different idea of what horror is or what horror can be but i think there are certain like pillar subgenres of the genre if that makes sense yeah absolutely what would you kind of consider like, what would be your pillar genre of subgenres of horror? Because I want to see if they align with my with mine. Mm. Well, slasher, of course. Yeah. Um, man, I want to. I'm not sure if this. I want to say creature features, but I feel like mm. that would go under the pillar of general monster movies. I would agree with that. I feel like creature features are monster movies. Mm-hmm. So I would agree with that. But I do think monster, like just overall monster is a pillar. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's funny because like we're just bullshitting if we're being honest. Like there's no there's no movie genre classification like there is like in uh, like the fucking animal kingdom or what's it called? You know, in biology where it's like taxonomy. Yes. Mm-hmm. If there was movie taxonomy, I would be a fucking academic. But there isn't. So I I'm just a podcaster, um, <laughs> but I uh, but I do think it's fascinating because for me personally, I feel like creature feature is a subgenre of the monster movie, which is a subgenre of horror, which is a pillar movie genre. Yeah, but I don't know. I I think well, we said slashers and we said monsters. What else Psycho- do you think? Psychological horror, the the ever broad yeah. umbrella pillar of psychological horror. Yeah. I think, and that's so hard to define, but I think you're right. (laughs) Everything is so hard to define and it's made even harder because all of these pillars are so fluid and almost all of them intersect with each other. So with, with slashers, there's always an element of psychological horror. And with the reverse, like in a lot of psychological horrors, there's an element of slasher. Like how you right. mentioned Silence of the Lambs, overarching theme is psychological horror, but you have Hannibal Lecter eating people and peeling a guy's face off, and then you have Buffalo Bill skinning women. Yeah. If that's not slasher, I don't know what is. Right. Like I consider Hannibal Lecter a slasher icon. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think the Silence of the Lambs is a slasher movie, but I think it has slasher elements. And I think he is a slasher. But but I love getting into the nitty gritty of, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much fun. Was it you that I was just talking to about whether vampires would fall under creature features? Yes. And I gave you a, like a fucking novella because <laughs> I got so excited. If I remember correctly what I said the other day, which is not always a guarantee I'll remember. But if I remember correctly, I said, I don't, I think... Uh, vampires because my definition of creature feature which is just me bullshitting because i don't think there's like a standardized definition for any of these but to me a creature feature is animal like killer animal movies Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know what that's exactly what you said (laughs) oh okay cool 
Because like I, I think of Jaws as a creature feature, and then you go from creature feature, you go even smaller, and you have shark exploitation, yes. which is its own you, genre. Did you watch that documentary on Shutter? It was so good. I loved it. It was so well done. It was All so the good. Were part of that documentary were so well read and gave such thoughtful insight. I want to rewatch that tonight. Instead of instead of writing the <laughs> review that I need to write tonight, I'm gonna watch Shark Exploitation again. I'm probably gonna go to bed right after this because I'm an old man <laughs> who works a soul draining nine to five. <laughs> but if you work with me and you heard that, it's not you. <laughs> I love my team. <laughs> I love the homies. But <laughs> but no, I like yeah, that shark exploitation documentary is so good. But I think like for creature features, like there's cocaine bear, which is a very recent example. And then you get the older grizzly. I think, like, for me, anaconda is a creature feature. Uh, oh. Eight-legged freaks. Like, mm -hmm. exaggerated animals, to me, count. Like, so the... Because in my brain, creature feature came from the 50s. I have no clue if that's historically accurate. So if you're listening and I'm wrong, please call me out on my bullshit. I hate being wrong. I need to be corrected. But until I'm corrected, I'm going to assume I'm right. So I think creature features came from the 50s because, I don't know, that just feels right to me. And like, that's where you got like them and uh, the fly. Mm -hmm. And I think those are creature features. I don't think Godzilla's a creature feature. I think that's a kaiju movie. And that's mm -hmm. like a whole different conversation. But I do think that original Godzilla movie dips it. It's, I think it's like a, it's at the very least horror adjacent. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't think Godzilla is scary, but I think what Godzilla represents is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The runoff, environmental catastrophe, the perilous outcome of war and violence. Yeah, that's that's really scary. <laughs> yeah. And I fucking love Godzilla, but <laughs> I don't want to go way too dead. This is not a Godzilla. I, I got to stop myself. I got I got to bring us back. I think paranormal or the supernatural is a is a pillar genre of horror. And I think that's where you find ghost movies and demon movies. I agree. But I also think that, again, there's so much intersection with psychological yes. horror when it comes to paranormal. Right. Paranormal, paranormal horror is definitely a, a pillar, a core pillar. I think psychological is, I don't know. I, I think psychological is less of a pillar and more of a just overarching, if that makes sense. Like, like yeah. kind of like sci-fi horror is definitely a thing, but I wouldn't consider that a pillar of mm -hmm. horror. Cause like you get sci-fi monster movies like Alien and The Thing, but Alien also has slasher attributes. The Terminator's kind of a slasher movie. It's definitely sure. science fiction. I mean, one of the greatest horror movies of all time is also a science fiction movie, and that's uh, Frankenstein. Yes, that's very true. But I wouldn't, cons like, sci-fi and horror intersect so, like, so much, but I don't know. I d the reason why I don't consider it a pillar genre, a pillar's genre of horror is because I feel like sci-fi is more of an attribute. It is a genre, don't get me wrong. But it's like, I think sci-fi horror could be so many things you can't rest the whole genre on it. It just kind of is. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. Like, a slasher is easily defined. A monster movie is easily defined. A paranormal movie is easily defined. Sci-fi is not as easily defined because that can be a lot of things. Same with psychological. I think science fiction can be fairly easily defined. Yeah. <laughs> there goes that take. <laughs>
No, well, this yeah. entire conversation just goes to show that horror is fluid by nature yes. and it's a breeding ground for thrilling discourse. Ooh, we love our thrilling discourse. <laughs> love a good thrill disc. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think for me, the final pillar horror genre is zombie. I think that just grew to be its own genre. I don't think they're monster movies anymore. Really? I think they're their own thing. That's interesting. Okay. I think it's just so big. So you think that zombies are big enough to have its own pillar, but something like vampires and werewolves are not of that caliber? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Interesting. Um, and I, I, I'll fully, I'll fully acknowledge I'll probably be the only person with that opinion. Um, I am okay with that. I think the reason why zombies, in my view, my opinion, kind of became its own large pillar genre of horror and vampires and werewolves didn't. Well, part of it is we're already combining vampires and werewolves. Well, I was just saying that. For- <laughs> but <laughs> were- werewolves, are, I don't think there are enough werewolf movies for for them. Vampires, I do think you can make the argument. And vampires have been a- around the longest, too. Mm-hmm. Or maybe werewolves have, but like I said, werewolves do not have enough movies or TV shows to be... Like, I, th- I think werewolves are clear monster movies. I think folklorically speaking, werewolves and vampires emerged and evolved around the same periods because both of them yeah they're both rooted in folklore and folklore doesn't have a clear start point it's just building and building on different evolutions of the same fears and same anxieties well i think zombies have been around for a long time too but they just came from a different part of the world yes and i'm so glad that you brought up that point because I feel like a lot of people who talk about zombies are just talking about them within the Western, you know, let's be real, American context. Yeah. Not not acknowledging that they come from Haiti. Haiti, I think so. I think, but I'm not positive on that. But yeah, they I do know they came from that area at the very least. I think in my mind, I don't know why my mind does not consider zombies to be monsters. Well, my mind considers them to be their own thing. Oh, you looked it up? Yes. Um, according to Wikipedia, in modern popular culture, zombies are most commonly found in horror and fantasy genre works. The term comes from Haitian folklore, in which a zombie hey. is a reanimated through various methods, most commonly magical practices in religions like voodoo. I, I knew voodoo was an a, was a was an aspect of it. I I could I couldn't confirm Haitian because I Haiti because I wasn't sure. But I'm glad you confirmed it for us. I took the leap, and I'm so glad I did. Because <laughs> you were right. I was. Okay. I love being right. I love it. But no, I I don't know why my brain doesn't register register zombies as monsters. I know why it registers vampires and werewolves as monsters. It's because of the classic Universals, and like I don't know why. And I don't want to say it's because, well, the classic Universal monsters didn't have a zombie because like Frankenstein's kind of a uh, Frankenstein's monster is kind of a zombie. Kind of. He's zombie adjacent. Zombie adjacent. Sure. He's definitely not a traditional zombie, but he is a reanimated corpse. Several. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Several. (laughs) And I do think there are zombies can I do think zombies can live with in science fiction. So I don't think Frank. Frankenstein being science fiction eliminates it from being zombies because like 28 days later is science fiction and like Resident Evil, which 
that's kind of zombie. But I never ex- fully explained why I think zombies are big enough to be their own genre and vampires aren't. But I feel like I did. Mm. I didn't at all. <laughs> it's no, okay. It's, it's literally just, it's literally like, I know, I know it's not like super academic of me, but my brain just, I think part of the reason is because zombies, I feel like have evolved so much, whereas vampires are relatively consistent. And okay. there's a lot of differences between vampires. Yeah, there are a lot of different interpretations of vampires, especially when you consider that vampire folklore is global. And right. different countries have different versions or traditional, different traditional versions of vampires because vampires as we know now are are relatively consistent but the folklore that they come from really isn't i'm not educated enough on the folklore of zombies to defend the zombie portion of that but yeah you're right (laughs) but i I, i'm thinking of movies specifically though i don't know enough of other countries vampire movies because of the ones i've seen and by that i mean let the right one in yeah It's fairly and and I do and then there's also Nosferatu, which um you get Salem's lot get it gives Nosferatu vibes and the new what's it called Last Voyage of the Demeter that had some Nosferatu vibes as well. I I just think in the film pop culture world, vampires have been pretty consistent for a long time, and there you get your very like Thirty Days of Night has some great different vampires. I might get some flack for this, but I do think Twilight changed vampires for a bit. <laughs> that was definitely a trend. I think it added to the conversation, and I think that it stirred the pot in a in an interesting way. That's I just going to say I, about it. <laughs> I think in terms of film, I see more variations from zombie films than I do from vampire films. Interesting. You know what? I'm locking in my answer. <laughs> <laughs> And I did preface preface the saying like it's all bullshit. It's just just how I see it. I'm not trying to make sweeping bold claims. This is not factual. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's all interpretation. And isn't that what horror is all about? Isn't that what art is all about? Just interpretation exactly. and lively conversation and debate and rambling and tangents. I love tangents. So back Dude. to slasher movies. <laughs> <laughs> are there are there subgenres within the slasher genre? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that within the slasher genre or slasher subgenre though, the sub subgenres are more tropes or more presented as tropes. So you gotcha. have uh you have the trope of the summer camp slasher. Okay. And the high school slash college campus slasher. And I think like the workplace slasher, the babysitting slasher. Wouldn't that just be the workplace slasher? So yes and no. And okay. I'm saying workplace slasher specifically because I recently saw the film Intruder and that takes place in a grocery store after hours. Gotcha. And let's talk about Intruder for a little bit because that is one of the slasher gems on your list. Yes, I saw it this week and it, I don't want to say it improved my life, but it's definitely added some sparkle to my life. (laughs) I'm stealing that phrase. Please do. (laughs) I'm using that in, I'm going to use that in everyday conversation now. I hope so. I, uh, 
I think that's great. I have not watched Intruder yet. In fact, listeners, in order to prepare, Chloe gave me this huge list (laughs) of slasher films. And I'm like, I've seen four of these. And (laughs) this is like two days beforehand. I, I might get to one. I didn't get to any. But luckily, I did see one film that you told that we talked about a little bit beforehand. So I did do some homework. I was supposed to watch one of these films last night, but I didn't because I'm an old, tired boy. I went to bed. I, I spend a couple weeks researching and watching slasher films and setting up to do this. I mean, listen, some people take their jobs seriously and others take them less seriously. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? The shade on my own show. Wow. Okay, I see how it is. You give yourself a whole week, uh, whole week head start. You give me this list two days beforehand. Okay, I didn't realize this was a competition. Oh, it is, and I'm winning. Oh, you're winning. Okay, okay, we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm gonna take the high road. I almost, I almost went for a low blow, but I decided mm-hmm. not to. I decided to be a good host for my friend. If we're still friends, I'm not sure about that at the moment. You are still my dear friend. Very. Dear- I I appreciate that. I appreciate. We we might not be after I win this competition. I don't even know what the competition is, but I'm gonna win it. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, anyways, I think we're getting a little too competitive, <laughs> but that's okay because I think that lines up with one of the films on this list, Tragedy Girls. Yes. I was so delightfully surprised by Tragedy Girls. I went into it blind. I had never even seen a trailer or a poster for this. And I, it was on Shudder and I have Shudder. So I clicked on it and my, my eyes opened. I am a fan of this movie now. It's, it was brilliant. It was so funny. It was heartfelt at, at points and it was just a damn good story and they executed it so well. I, I've seen this film actually, and it's fantastic. I saw it a couple of years ago. I think it was one of those when everyone was locked down in 2020. It was one of my shutdown movies, mm-hmm. I believe. Or I might have seen it earlier than that because it came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. So, but I do know I was still working retail. I don't know why I remember that detail and I don't know why I just rhymed, but yeah. And you know what, guys, that whole competition between Chloe and like that was just an act. We're just master podcasters. We did that on purpose to lead us into Tragedy Girls, a movie we both wanted to talk about. It was all scripted. It was all scripted. I'm totally not mad at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but I know I love I love Tragedy Girls. I I I want to rewatch it actually. And this conversation's like this is the October to rewatch it. Like it's it's time. By the time this episode comes out, I probably would have already rewatched it. Oh, do, do you want me to? I I thought you were gonna say something. No, this is your this is your show, man. I'm just a guest. And don't you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. It looked like you were going to say something. I'm like, okay. And then nothing came out of your mouth. Nothing came out of my mouth. It was silence. (laughs) And it's funny because 
I'm going to edit that silence out and everyone listening is going to be like, what silence? And that is the magic of editing, friends. Magic of editing. I, I really do think Tragedy Girls is a underappreciated masterpiece from the 2010s. I think it's one of my favorite horror movies from that decade. I I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I'd say it's it's up there for me. It it wormed its way into my heart. Yeah. Like I don't think it'll be my number one, but it would be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. What would be my number one? I don't know. I'd have to think about what came out that decade. Because it was A so lot. long ago, like three years ago. Oh, so man. long ago. The ancient times. The the pre-pandemic <laughs> times. Yeah. The the times uh were like I was old enough to not be stupid, but I was young enough to be very stupid. Weren't we all? <laughs> I like to think so. I would like to think so. <laughs> but yeah, I love Tragedy Girls. If if we have to go to one that I haven't seen, point one to Chloe, I guess. <laughs> one that you were telling me you saw kind of recently is The Fun House. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think I watched it last night, actually. Oh, very yeah. recently. <laughs> it's very fresh in my mind. So The Fun House was released in 1981, and it was directed by Toby Hooper. And it was so dark and grim and just amusing in a grotesque way. So it's about, it takes place in a carnival. And it's one of those- Hell fucking car- yeah. Yeah, so already, right off the bat, Carnival, okay, some horrendous shit's about to go down. I have nothing against Carnival workers. Carnies are wonderful people. But yeah, this particular Carnival, though, is filled (laughs) with monsters and slashers. I have heard of this one, because this is all familiar. I have heard of it. I don't think it clicked in my brain, but I'm like, I I knew Toby Hooper did a Carnival movie. I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it, but it has come across my radar. I've heard of it. This is this is becoming familiar to me. I don't know what that was. I enjoyed it. I um, want to watch it. Is it on Shutter? No. Uh, uh, I think I have to rent it from Amazon Prime. Oh, so worth I it though. It. I know it was worth the four dollars though. If I rent it and it's not, I'm gonna like send you an angry message. Yeah voicemail or a, a twitter message just a twitter message it doesn't need to be that mean <laughs> well if you send me a twitter message i can uh read it aloud for my tiktok and maybe that's going to be the next one that blows up you're welcome <laughs> it's called helping out your friends i appreciate that so much and i hope to return the favor someday and send you a, a deranged message at some point <laughs> this is the beginning of a slasher movie that's what this is yes i'm just like taking a note of that sorry you're taking a note of are you gonna write this i i might write it pat do (laughs) you know i'm literally taking a note with a pen in my notebook we're analog (laughs) up in here we're analog up in here all right oh my god i just had an idea what what if from the same prompt we just write our own stories and then we'll put them out in the world and see what the public likes better. That's our, that's a real competition. And I'm going to win. <laughs> You're on. And jokes on you. I'm going to make mine into a movie. Boom. 
I have nothing, I have nothing to say to that because yeah, you have film equipment, but I'm friends with filmmakers with film equipment slash access to film equipment. So perhaps mine will be a film as well. Look at that. Competition breeds art. <laughs> <laughs> Competition breeds collaboration. Why don't we just make it together? Oh man, that would, that'd be too smart though. To join yeah. forces, that'd be way too smart. You know, there could still be competition in it, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll, like, we'll compete somehow to see who gets listed first. <laughs> Which would be me, because we'd go alphabetically by first name. So I won. Why would it be by first name? That doesn't make any sense. That's not how so, alphabetically... Isn't it, though? It's It's always by last name. In the literary world, at least, you alphabetize authors by last name. Joke's on you, I'm illiterate. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Speaking of illiterate, let's talk about final exam. That was an amazing segue. Wow. <laughs> that was beautiful. There was no sarcasm in that whatsoever. No, like there legitimately wasn't. I adore that segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually seen final exam and it's a fucking wild movie. Yeah. Could we talk about the fact that it would absolutely never be able to be made today for the one specific scene in the beginning, which I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And should we let our listeners in on what we're talking about? Okay, so it's a, it's about to get heavy. <laughs> if um if you're listening and you are if you're listening and you do not do well with the topic of school shootings, skip ahead two or three minutes because final exam has a not an it's i think it's the inciting incident i won't lie i was a i was a a little drunk when i watched this movie (laughs) and the inciting incident is this frat this frat fakes a school shooting yeah it's a mock mass shooting on the campus quad and they have squibs and everything they do they've they had squibs they had people in on it yeah Um, and they had masks it was when i watched it i I was taken off guard i was caught off guard when i saw it and saw that scene i was like oh my god is it this kind of movie and then you know logic sinks and it's like no it's way too early for there to be actual murders um but but how would they know to do it as a joke that was a crazy scene in what it was it was early eighties, I think nineteen eighty two. Your your notes said. So if I'm wrong, I'm blaming you. But but yeah, it's crazy for early eighties. Whereas like like you try to do that shit now. Absolutely not. It would it would not make it past probably the writers' room to be honest. Or if it right. did, or if it did, it would be either in development hell or if the scene was actually filmed, MPAA would slam it with an R rating at the very least, possibly NC-17. Right. Or they would have the scene cut entirely. And then, like, that scene will get out and people will boycott it. Yes. Like, oh my god. It was insane. Like, this frat rose staged a terroristic attack with props and... Special act- effects, yeah. Lives. What? First of all, how are how are college students getting squibs? How do they know about squibs? They're not 
they're not shown to be the brightest bulbs in the, in the whatever. <laughs> no. And, and the whole movie's insane. But when it starts off like that, I turned off- to my friend. I was like, what the fuck did you just put on? <laughs> when it starts off like that, you know that the rest of the movie is going to be a ride. Not always a fun ride. No, a ride. Definitely though. a ride. Yeah. So I don't know how many amusement parks you've been to, but in my time, it reminds me of those. If you go to like a street fair and mm-hmm. they have like those mini coasters or something where it's mm. like, yeah, it's fun, but there's kind of like it's rickety and yeah. like you get off and your neck's just not feeling right. Like those kind of rides. That's what yeah. final exam was like. Like the garage. Yeah. Like it I was fun so but... much fun You're like nine and have no concept of your own mortality and then right. like, you're 30 and looking back at the crazy rides that you were allowed to go on as a child it's like how am i how did i live to see 30 right and like watching this movie it's just like that where it's like you watch this movie and it's fun but the second you start thinking about it it starts to hurt your brain a little bit because now you're already putting more thought into it than the filmmakers did. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I also think that's part of the brilliance of the film. It's weird. It It's hard to describe. I can't say it's bad, and I won't say it's bad. No, it's also interesting talking about it in 2023 when the film is such a product of the early 80s. I, so, and I think that's part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, in the 80s, we also had Heathers, which was all about suicide and trying to blow up a school heathers Uh, is phenomenal though one of my favorite movies of all time like there's problematic shit but that's the point you know what i mean like it knows what it's doing blowing up a school you know just teenage pranks he was angsty he's the angsty bad boy newcomer but i guess problematic i i don't mean it in the sense of i think the film's problematic i think I, I think it's they're talking about taboo subjects mm-hmm. that that don't always work. Like case in point, final exam mm-hmm. that don't hold up anymore. Heather's does. That still holds up. Yeah. But also final exam is funny because uh, I feel like I feel like the characters and I got to admit, I was drunk when I watched this movie. So it could just be me not being the best watcher in the moment. But I no, feel like character. No, no, oh, no, I just going to. I feel like characters just like fell off the movie, never to be addressed again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the killer reveal was a little lackluster. Yeah, I feel like the characters dropping off just didn't even matter at the end. Fair. Yeah. Like, I feel like there is a lot of red herrings. Like, oh, the killer could be this person or that person or that person. They dropped mm-hmm. off for a reason. And then, no, it's this random out of left field character yeah the ending wasn't wasn't my fave but the beginning and middle were solid i'd say and there's like this jock bro who's super funny and the actor playing him was just having the time of his life and i was having the time of my life watching him (laughs) so i want to give a shout out to him i love the use of uh character archetypes in that film is just so clear-cut so you have you know you have the jock, you have the sweet, studious, mousy-haired girl, you have the nerd, you have the sexually adventurous roommate. 
Yeah. Everything's very clear cut. And I, I love that in slashers, honestly. And <laughs> I love, I love it when they play against type and I love it when a good slasher will subvert those stereotypes and those tropes, like an X, how it subverted yeah. the final group. I love that. But I also just, especially with older slasher films, I just love seeing the clear cut characters. I just, no, I I love I do love it too. There's something comforting about a nice, yes. like a good eighty slasher. Yes, that's exactly it. It's comforting. You know the beats, you know the characters, you know all the tropes that this is going to hit, and yet you're still watching it because it's comforting. The familiar, yeah. it's familiar, so it's comforting. I want to transition from one school based eighties early eighties slasher to another college-based early mm -hmm. 80s slasher one i thought was actually really good i watched it the other night on your recommendation point one to austin and i'm talking about house on sorority row that movie is insane yeah those and girls they're vicious and i love that <laughs> for them but my god they you know just committed murder casually hid the body in the pool of all places it's the Where worst. else are you going to hide it? Literally anywhere else. That's a cop-out answer. Let's be real. Okay, let's... Well, I understand we the We live in a mansion. There's too many places to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand it for the moment. You know, you're panicking and the body's already in there. So you might as well just keep it in there mm -hmm. and hope that... Hope that the coroner rules it an accidental drowning, even though the bullet hole is quite... Clear. I, I could see it. I could see their logic in the moment, but from the outside looking in, I'd say that there was perhaps a better course of action to take. Well, they could have, you know, not killed a person. Well, let's not get crazy. <laughs> uh, something I got to say about House on Sorority Row, because uh, it's very fresh in my head, is when it comes to 80s slashers, I accept a certain amount of slock. I guess the word I want to use is because I don't want to say any of them are bad and campy is not the right word, but there is a level of rawness, especially with these that I love. Mm -hmm. And while you get that rawness in House on Sorority Row, I think there's a lot of good craft to where it's more of Halloween than it is Friday the 13th, if that makes sense. I think so. Like, it's not Halloween. I'm, I'm not trying to talk crazy, but there's a lot of great camera motions. The acting's actually really good. Oh, the acting is phenomenal. There's The a story's really fun. fun. Yeah, the story's fun. There's a great musical number in it. Yeah. A party scene where a real band is playing. There's a real band in the early 80s, I want to mm -hmm. say. I don't think they blew up, but, you know, they were around. They got a real band to play in that movie. There's and they're like, and there's really creepy visuals in it. Also, the setting is so creepy. It's a sorority house, and yeah, it's a mansion, but it's also so insular and so yeah. claustrophobic. And I, I mean, just to say, I was never part of a sorority at any point. My college didn't even have them. I don't think. But from what my friends who were in sororities say, it's kind of culty. And mm. Greek life is a subculture of regular college life, but it's also just very strange. 
strange and vast, but also just, I don't know. I said culty, right? It's culty. Yeah. And, and like, I, I was not, I was not in any frats or sororities, but I was in marching band, Aww. which is, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but we're, here. what? Yeah. No wonder we get along. I knew I and are and are competitive at the same time. But we'll we'll come back to that later. But uh <laughs> but I think I think marching band has culty aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And I was in it for because I did it all four years of high school and I did it through college. And I went to a big university where we had a big marching band with a bunch of tradition and and part of and and there'd be stuff like i i'm not gonna pull the curtain back but there'd be stuff to wait like there were weird rules which makes sense and it's fine but at the same time it's also like a real job wouldn't do this (laughs) i i think when there's tradition that tends to blur the lines between like i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say but i think tradition has something to do with it (laughs) no i know you're saying theater is definitely the same way a lot of tradition a lot of it's a bit incestuous in in a broad sense it is because especially i hate that i know that you're right (laughs) yeah when you grow up doing theater so i grew up doing theater i started when i was five and i did it all through high school especially when you get up to the high school level, you're pretty much only hanging out with other theater kids. Mm-hmm. That's the, those are the only people that you're talking to pretty much. And you are together every single day after school, sometimes until midnight for rehearsals and weekends. And you get very, you get very close to them very quickly because you're in such close proximity to each other all the time. Yeah, and I think that is also the case with, sororities and fraternities it's familiar bands yeah and marching band familiarity by virtue of proximity i think house on sorority row i think it taps into i think it taps into that feeling of being so close with other different but other people your same age you know i think that's the theater kid effect or the sorority effect our marching band or fraternity is where you got like we could be so many different personalities and different tastes, but we're all like in the case of marching band, we're all wearing the same shit, playing the same music. We -hmm. have the same goal in mind, but we could be, this one thing brings so many turbulent, sometimes um, conflicting personalities together. And I think house on sorority row captures that. Well, like the drama between the characters is, it feels so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also the element of you're also all answering to the same adult authority figure who may or may not hate you with a passion, yeah. but in charge of you, and you still have to get along. And at least in marching band and theater, work towards a common goal. I don't know what the deal was with the house mother, though. I again, I wasn't in a sorority. Is the house mother just? like a teacher or figurehead this is gonna surprise you i also wasn't in a sorority yeah that doesn't surprise me actually so you think you know me okay (laughs) 
Now, I don't know what the deal is either, but I think another slasher film, Black Christmas, had a similar character. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Black Christmas is the original, was so good, so ahead of its time. Yeah. But yeah, similar dynamic with the house mother who clearly doesn't like her job, clearly doesn't like the young women that she's responsible for working for what is this role what is this job i don't understand i don't think though i don't think the house mother in black christmas despises the girls though in the same way this one does drinking on the job that doesn't mean she hates the kids that's just mean that could just mean she she likes to enjoy life i don't know maybe yeah that's a generous way of looking at it (laughs) i mean why not live your best life homie I'm going to pivot towards Black Christmas for a second. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, no, I. Uh, where does Black Christmas fall on the iconic slasher movies to hidden gems? Because it's not on this list, but it's also not Halloween or A Nightmare on Elm Street you know, or Scream. You know what I mean? Where does it's it fall? It's on that level, though. Halloween it came after black Christmas as yeah. love letter continuation. So yeah, I say it's like the original at least is iconic for a reason. There are some really outstanding characters and just show stopping lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's just a solid premise. You have just women in a sorority house being targeted by a psycho killer and you know it's had two remakes so mm-hmm. it it's not like it it left the public eye cuz cuz if we're talking just terms quality then i completely agree it is on the level of the others but in terms of just iconography i don't think i think it gets overshadowed by halloween yeah no it definitely does but it's definitely not a hidden gem right i think it's too i think it's too famous to be a hidden gem I feel like if there were like tears. Hmm? It's part of the slasher canon. Oh, yeah. I think if we made like a tier list of slashers, mm-hmm. I think it would be a tier. Yeah. And then I think Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, those would be S tier. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Child's Play, I'd put those in S tier as well. All right. I'm debating Friday the 13th. What's the I don't th- I don't think any of the movies are that iconic i think jason as a character is i think the series as a whole is but i don't think any one of those movies does it on its own i think it's just they kept pumping them out and jason's such a cool dude oh he's not i don't know if i want to say the uh camp mass murderer is a cool dude but there's a reason we love jason yeah i've only seen the first two i've seen the first Friday the 13th multiple times. I thoroughly enjoy that movie. I love that movie too. But whenever I talk to Friday the 13th with like normal people, it's always like, yeah, I love Jason. And I'm like, me too. But I was kind of just talking about the original, but okay, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Because Jason isn't really in the original. Yeah. And like, and then like some people be like, oh, I love when Jason kills Kevin Bacon. And I'm just like, I don't know about that. I think a lot of people like they watch these movies when their kids are younger and then their memory just kind of melds them together after a time. So they still have fond memories of the series 
I don't know. Memory is a whole different thing we can get because memories change, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you and me are super horror fans. We are not normal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it and it's easy to forget that a lot of people when it's like, hey, who's your favorite slasher? A lot of people still say, oh, I like Scream. Your favorite slasher movie? Yeah. Scream is my favorite. Uh, I love when Scream calls people. Aww. And I'm just like, I I'm happy you like the movies. <laughs> I have to st stop myself from being a dick because I want to be like, it's Ghostface. His name is Ghost. But that yeah, yeah, no, I never I never want to be one of those obnoxious yeah. horror I'm fans. just happy they like Scream. <laughs> I think Jason kind of falls under that a bit. I think Michael Myers is too famous. I think Michael Myers and Chucky and Freddy, like, they don't have this, this problem. I think mm -hmm. as characters, they're the ones that broke through the best. Freddy and Chucky's easy because they're funny and mm -hmm. they're memorable. Something about Mikey. Something about Mikey My My. Everybody loves. He's just the strong, silent type. We love ourselves a good, strong, silent boy. Just refuses to die. Can't kill the <laughs> boogeyman. I'm going on too many tangents. I'm the unhinged one today. I apologize. You have a lot of movies mm -hmm. on this list that we haven't really gone through. So I'm going to play. I'm going to play a game. I want to play a game with you. Ooh, all right. I'm making it up on the spot. You could actually win. It's not that type of game, but I'll let you know if you win or not at the end. I'm going to go through your entire list. I'm just like checking my windows to make sure that you don't have one of my loved ones like tied up about to get murdered if I get an answer wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought you were actually checking your windows for a second for like, I'm like, oh my God, is something happening? Just right there, to be fair. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I just fell for the bit. I fell for it. Point Austin. I'm racking up all the points. I don't know what you're doing. If you fell for the bit, wouldn't that be point Chloe? You'd think so, but I'm the one handing out the points, so. This is rigged. You know what? Host your podcast, have me on the show, then you could rig it all you want. You're on. <laughs> but no, um, I want to go through the list that you gave me. Okay. And, and I'm going to give you, I don't know. I said we're going to play a game, but I didn't think it out. This is all improvised. What I want to do is I want to go through this list because I want everyone to know the hard work you did well my first thing was like i'll go through this list and you'll recommend them or not and it's like you're gonna recommend all of them you're the one that made the list okay i i under i know i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go okay. through each movie and i want to, you to give me a single reason why mm -hmm. our listeners should watch it okay. and i'm gonna give you 30 seconds for it no i'm not but uh <laughs> i will determine if you win or not at the end of the game live or die that's my best jigsaw. You're not getting better than that. Okay. Although when when I hear, do you want to play a game? I think a ghost face. I know it's a jigsaw thing. I know jigsaw made it even more famous, but Ghostface said it first. He did. Ghostface is the, the original I want to play a game with you, asshole. And I think you can make the, the argument that Mikey Mai Mai was the first one. Because he don't talk. But, like, for a good 20 minutes, all he's doing is playing hide-and-seek. I mean, I'll give you that. Point Austin. Okay, <laughs> here's the game. All right, no, we already, we already know the game. Here is movie number one, Final Exam. Why should the people watch Final Exam? Um, A wild introduction, which we already went over earlier in the podcast. All right, movie number two, 
Tragedy Girls. A fresh concept with characters who are both compelling and infuriating. Love it. Movie number three, The Mutilator. A delightfully convoluted plot. I'm going to skip movie number four because before recording, we agreed it wasn't really a slasher, but I'm just going to shout out Chopping Mall because I love Chopping Mall. It's awesome. Give me killer robots all day. That's the reason. Watch it. It's not really a slasher. Killer robots. Barbara Crampton. Watch Chopping Mall. All right. Movie number five. Final Terror. Running Through the Woods. So if you're a fan of movies in which people run through the woods, you would enjoy this. I like it. Movie number six, Intruder. Inventive kills and the appearance of a character archetype that I just recently noticed, but I've grown to be very fond of. And the character archetype is scumbag with a mullet. And once once you hear that, you're going to notice it in every 80s movie that you watch. Billy from Stranger Things? Yes. And David from The Lost Boys? there's listeners chloe knows i haven't seen the lost boys we talk see it's not a spoiler it's not a spoiler that mullet is why would you why would you do that to me i'm sorry yeah you know what the mullet is definitely a a plot point that i just spoiled so very sorry about that you think you're gonna have a nice pleasant conversation bringing a cool person on the show but no everything has to be a competition yes I'm just difficult. Sorry. <laughs> uh, movie number eight, The Fun House. Carnival terror and a truly horrific special effects, makeup, costume, work of art. Love it. I lost count. Next movie. She came from the woods. Carabono and the appearance of Scumbag with a Mullet, an original story. 80s vibes because it is set in the 80s even though it was released in 2022 and it's just a really fun and well-paced summer camp slasher nice. it's all the it's all the nostalgia the nostalgia feels next movie april fool's day <laughs> oh man my first the first thing that i wanted to say is a massive spoiler so i'm not going to say it <laughs> really good special effects next movie Terror Train. Mm. Jamie Lee Curtis. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I didn't particularly enjoy this movie, but if you're a fan of Jamie Lee Curtis, you might as well turn it on. Fair enough. Next movie. Pieces. A chainsaw and body parts interacting in a fun way. Next movie. Maniac. <laughs> if you've ever if you've ever been curious about how wigs and wig making can be horrifying and disgusting i think you'd enjoy this movie oh that gave me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> next movie slumber party massacre it's a fun little romp with power drill next movie house on sorority row characters that are horrible but you can't help but root for them and final movie drive through Okay, so I saw this movie once when I was, I think, a freshman in high school. There's this one part that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And uh, it involves a deep fryer and a guy's 
face peeling off. Watch it specifically for that scene. You don't want also, anything like Lady Meester and Penn Badgley are both in it. Oh. Yeah. Pre-Gossip Girl. Like it. Yeah. I think you won this game. Congratulations. Oh, all my loved ones are safe. No one's going to get killed outside my window for now. No live- one you know. I live in New York, so that's not a... I can't control that. I shouldn't make that joke. <laughs> but now it's the most important test. Before we started recording, I asked you what your favorite film on the list was, and you decided to go with Tragedy Girls. Mm-hmm. So if you found yourself, if you found yourself going to prom at the same school as the Tragedy Girls, mm-hmm. would you die? Nope. No, I wouldn't. In fact, I would be their third accomplice. Interesting. I, I'm very into true crime and I think that I think that they would need me to just be uh, another person to look at their crime scenes and make sure that they're not leaving behind physical evidence that would implicate them, but also make it clear, help them make it clear that their murders were not accidents. You know, I've gotten a lot of different answers doing this show i don't think i've gotten i would team up with the killers yet so i'm gonna give you major props for that that's how i would survive (laughs) it's funny because while we were uh before we started recording i said i was gonna put myself in chopping mall and then we just eliminated chopping mall so that movie's hmm. such a misleading name i know it's such a great name though Mm mm-hmm I'm trying there, to think of what movie I I should put myself in. Well, if you're into mall slashers, there is another slasher that actually is a slasher that takes place in a mall. And it's, God, I think it's something like Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. Phantom. That's a title. Yeah. It, it's, yep. Phantom of the Mall, colon, Eric's Revenge. And it is a lighthearted yet bloody and disgusting take on the classic phantom of the opera tale i love phantom of the opera i've been obsessed with the musical for the past couple of weeks i keep listening to it nonstop. you know what you're a theater kid you know what i'm going through right now Mm -hmm. yeah we will we will talk off air because you need to hear my ideas but the public don't get to know them um (laughs) i'll put myself i'll put myself in tragedy girls real quick um, I would die. How? And well, first off, I'd be oblivious to everything happening. <laughs> so I right? wouldn't I wouldn't put myself in danger necessarily. Mm-hmm. But so and I don't think I would be a target. Mm-hmm. I think I would just probably bumble into something I shouldn't have bumbled into. So you'd be collateral damage? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. that's really honest, and I admire that. You like you're helping them out. And I'd probably be like, hey, I saw a new horror movie. I'm going to tell my BFF, Chloe, about my new horror movie, the new horror movie I saw. And then I walk in and I see the three of you like disposing of a body. And then I probably still wouldn't even know what's happening because I'm dumb. But you guys wouldn't take the chance and then you'd kill me. And then I I would fly out. We'd just be like in a shed or something. Yeah. Do some dismemberments. And as one does. Right, as one does on a Thursday night. 
you'd come in and be like, hey, Chloe, I saw this amazing movie and you wouldn't even see the two other girls and you wouldn't notice the blood and guts everywhere. You wouldn't notice that we're all wearing hairnets and hazmat. I wouldn't. No, and you would just go on and on telling me about how you finally watched The Lost Boys and then my, my two <laughs> friends kill you somehow. Yeah. I, I would be super I... sad about it. I'd be very, very upset and it might lead to a falling out that I would have to get over for self-preservation purposes, but I'd be super bummed about it. But it, it, it's okay because I would come back Freddy Krueger style <laughs> and I would get my revenge in a nightmare on Tragedy Girls Street on to Aus- Austin's Revenge. On Sorority Row. A Nightmare on Sorority Row. Tragedy Girls, the musical. Mm-hmm. With the final exam kicked in. April Fools! God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a fun episode. Uh, what do you got? What do you got coming up in the future? And where can the people find you? Should you want to be found? Yeah, they can... They can find me on on the Twitter on twitter.com. My handle is yoclo13 and I think I have a link to my link tree where a lot of my writing is on Twitter and if it's not if it's not on there right now it will be by the time this podcast airs. I promise you that I'll try to remember to do that. <laughs> um, find me on TikTok. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me in your nightmares. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really funny. <laughs> well, this has been, this has been a blast. Thanks for, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for uh, finding me on Twitter and messaging me. That was so much fun. Yeah. Well, it's because, oh, I, we got to shout out our buddies at Cadaver Dogs. Yes. Shout out to David and Devin at Cadaver Dogs. Love them. They posted their episode um or that they were doing an episode with you and i was like well if they're good enough for cadaver dogs she's good <laughs> enough for me um Aww. and now we're friends we are so thank you so much for joining the show <laughs> you know. thank you for listening to today's episode thanks again to chloe for joining me and don't forget to follow her on the socials she is such a prolific writer already and i loved having her on the show you'll probably see her on my show again in the future A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WOULDYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WOULDYOUDIESHOW. Also, now you can follow me at TikTok at WOULDYOUDIEPODCAST. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week, Wednesday, is November 1st. So I guess that means this is the last episode of Slashtober 2. Bummer. So sad. But, you know, I think we covered a lot of slashers. Freddy, Jason, Ghostface... We did a whole draft. I mean, you just listened to a bunch of hidden gems just now. So I think it was a very, very successful Slashtober. I have some ideas of what I want to do for Slashtober next year. And uh, if I remember them, it, uh, it could be really, really fun. 
but yeah, I think it was a very successful Slashtober this year. I have some fun plans to take us through the end of the year, so you guys will want to stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.